Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and this is episode 220. This week, I'm recording alone without Molly Pittman, uh, but actually we'll be with her next week in Europe. The Tier 11 team is doing a training in London, and and Molly is going to come over from Amsterdam. We're actually going to hang out and probably do a couple of shows there. But uh, and have a little bit of fun in uh, London. So, but just me this week. This week's episode is about something a little bit different that we talk about every week here on Perpetual Traffic. Obviously, we talk about Facebook and Instagram and social media and how to use paid advertising to grow your business faster with uh, tips and tricks and the strategies that we espouse here at Perpetual Traffic. But today is a little bit different. I'm actually talking at a conference in New York City this week, and uh, we've had a lot of requests to have me discuss or sort of explain how we built Tier 11 as a virtual marketing agency. And that's actually what I'm here in New York City to talk on uh, this week at Digital Agency Expo, which is an awesome uh, event. If you do own a consultancy or you own a agency of any sort. DAX is what Digital Marketer calls it. Digital Agency Expo is a three-day event here in New York City. They do every single year in the fall. It's beautiful in New York in the fall. And I highly encourage you to make sure that when you see those emails coming from Digital Marketer to book your spot for 2020 and uh, probably see you there next year. So anyway, so this year I'm actually doing a talk on how to build a virtual marketing agency. So and it's a three-step strategy that simplifies really how we've been able to do things here at Tier 11. This isn't just for agencies, though. I mean, this is for any service-based business, and it's something that we've discovered is a, is a great way to run a business, tying in the right types of people who thrive in a virtual environment. Everyone that works at Tier 11 is remote, 
and we refer to that as a virtual business, although it is a very real business with very real customers. We've got quite a few employees uh, all over the world, five continents, in fact, and we run things completely virtually. So uh, today I'm going to tell you about this three-step strategy that we've used to build and grow Tier 11 from a guy in his basement with a VA to uh, now a team of multiple dozens and uh, getting great results for our customers using Facebook and Instagram ads as the vehicle to grow their business faster than they could on their own. So let's get right into it. So the question I often get when I'm discussing our business model at Tier 11 and how we grew this agency is why virtual? Why would I want to build a company where you can't see your employees every single day? You can't go to an office space and uh, walk down the hallways and look through the cubicles and peer over the cubicle and have a you know water cooler conversation. How can you actually build a company culture and a team that's completely virtual? Well, for me, I didn't really have much of a choice. For me, on my ninth wedding anniversary, I must have probably told this story couple of times here on Perpetual Traffic, but ninth wedding anniversary, I'm working in the corporate world in medical sales as a uh, sales director for a Fortune 500 company and making good money, doing pretty well, escalating through and ascending through the corporate ladder, so to speak, but I was miserable. So make a lot of money, five-hour commute every single day, two and a half hours up to Cambridge from where I live in Cape Cod. And then back, that's a five-hour time block. Every single day I was commuting, and I was just miserable. My kids were young at that age. I felt like I was sort of missing out on their lives and not spending a whole lot of time with family, making good money, like I said, and providing for the family. And sometimes, you obviously, you need to do these sorts of things in order to get to where you ultimately want to be in life. But I was just miserable. So she gave me a book, and whenever she gives me a book to read, I typically read it, and uh, this one was The 4-Hour Workweek. And The 4-Hour Workweek is probably a book that a lot of internet marketers, a lot of people in our space are very familiar with. It's a little bit outdated now, still a worthy read or a listen to on Audible. It has been updated. I haven't listened to it in about a year or so, but that book changed the course of my life. And as a lot of marketers, a lot of people who do what we do, the same way. It, it affected them in a very profound way. So what I found in that book is that people were making money and building businesses, not only virtually, but they were doing it on the internet. They were making money through the internet, which now is, if you've been a listener of this show for the last 200 plus episodes, you know that that is actually a reality. But back in 2009, that was a novel concept. And Tim Ferriss talks about it in the book, utilization of virtual assistants, building virtual teams, and selling products online. And this was fascinating to me. So I realized right then and there, this was something that I really wanted to do. So I built my own first blog, learned how to program WordPress, and built a business online that sold, in essence, management training or sales management training. So started to market that for about a year or so, moonlighting on the side, working you know, late nights, early mornings while I was still working the corporate job. But then uh, the folks at where I worked found out about this and they fired me. So I kind of had no choice. I, at that point, I had started this thing. It wasn't really successful, but what I was learning was how to market a business online. So it wasn't the product itself, but it was the concept of being able to market a product online 
although the product that I was selling was a complete disaster, a complete failure. Uh, the sales management training, sales management mastery was the name of it. Great content there for sales managers and managers. But the point was, is that there wasn't a market for it. So what I did is um, my, my wife was very much into travel. My kids were still relatively young. And to build a business and go back to the corporate world would mean another commute and me being tied to where we lived at that point in time. So she had the great idea for me to reinvent myself to, uh, to go on an RV trip. So I had never camped in my life. I had never driven a truck in my life. So she went out and bought an RV, a fifth wheel, and a big-ass diesel Chevy Silverado Duramax diesel to cart this thing across country and homeschool our kids. And she said, well, when we do this, you're going to be able to reinvent yourself and figure out how to make this internet marketing thing work. And that's exactly what we did. So we put together a plan for homeschooling our kids who were about six and eight at that point in time. And we decided we would go cross country in the summer of 2011. And we spent the next year and a half actually on the road in the RV went from Massachusetts all the way through this great country of ours up through Canada as well and finally landing in San Francisco where uh, where we stayed for three months, parked the RV somewhere, rented an apartment in uh, San Francisco, and then eventually drove the RV back cross country and then did it again for the areas that we missed. So this was our lifestyle. So this was a virtual a nomad lifestyle. And uh, through RV parks, and that's how we lived for that year and a half, almost two years. And so to document all the things that we did as we were traveling cross-country for almost two years, we actually created a website, a blog, that my kids did most of the content writing for, quite honestly. So they were my very first Tier 11 content writers. And uh, the name of the blog is Full-Time RV Family. Uh, if you Google it, I don't think it comes up because I was testing all kinds of black hat backlink strategies to it. So I don't think it even is indexed by Google anymore, but it still is out there. We actually maintain the hosting. So go to fulltimervfamily.com for a little chuckle. You'll see us uh, in the RV and actually all the writing, pretty much the writing on all those blog posts with affiliate links to offers, which are probably all broken now, which uh, was an experiment in how to do content marketing using affiliate products and actually teaching my kids how to do that. So, uh, but check that out at fulltimervfamily.com for a laugh. So in that period of time, that's when I started building this business, realizing that in order for me to be able to travel, for us to have location freedom, as well as escape that nine to five rat race with the commute, this is the business model that I wanted to uh, to do. And it's been very successful that way. So in fact, you know, we will now in 2020, uh, our growth rate from when we started in 2012, thereabouts, uh, was in the six-figure range. It's in the multiple seven figures now. So we've got about a 4,000% growth rate in that period of time in about seven or eight years which is fairly remarkable when you really think about growth. So we certainly, uh, we've pivoted our business model towards Facebook and Instagram advertising. The agency originally started as a pay-per-click and SEO agency, and we sort of pivoted over to Facebook and Instagram because that's where the eyeballs are. And obviously we talk about that here, a great deal on perpetual traffic. But so the three steps 
are the things that people want to understand. So that's basically the why behind the virtual business. And I really, like I said, I had no choice. I was fired, had a wife that wanted location independence, and we've been able to create a company culture around those sorts of things, helping people escape the nine to five, but also work virtually and have location independence and doing things that they love, which is really sort of the bigger plan for tier 11. So let's get into the three steps. So the first step and the most important step of all is attracting A players. So you cannot build a virtual organization without top tiered talent. And if you've been a listener of the show for any period of time, we do recruit every now and then, and we get lots of applications for folks to do media buying as well as other roles within tier 11 and been very successful in that way, as well as other paid sites, paid ways to attract A players. So we certainly leverage uh, this podcast here to recruit talent, but we also use job sites, job boards throughout the internet. And uh, LinkedIn, Indeed, is another one that we've used, as well as a variety of different job sites. We've even used Craigslist at some times to, uh, to recruit talent, not only just for media buying, but also for our creative staff and our other positions within Tier 11. So one of the big questions when you start to grow a company is, why can't I find other people just like me? Well, I think that's actually the wrong question to ask, is what you really want to do is you want to find people that are better than you. And in many cases, you want to find people that are complementary to you. So not that they compliment you and suck up to the boss. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about bringing on people that make up for your shortfalls. So personally, I do a lot of things fairly well, but nothing great. And that's, I think, one of the things that as a leader of a virtual company that you have to sort of let go of. You want to hire people who are smarter and are better than you in specific ways. So for operations, for example, for analytics, for example, for creative talent, videography, and imaging, and development, and pixel placing, all those things. I can do all those things, but we have people on staff that are far better at that than I ever was. And I certainly started as one guy with a VA, but now we have a team of people that are complementary to my skills and everyone in the team when they're hiring looks for the same type of talent where somebody is better than them or has a higher level of expertise. That's how you build a great organization, not just a virtual organization, but any type of organization. It's especially true in the virtual world because once again, you're not seeing these people every single day. They're not coming to the office every single day. So you need to hire the right types of people. And like I said, when I first started, it was basically me and a virtual assistant. But now we've got a team of over 30 people. And that will double in size next year and triple in size into 2022 and 2023. So really important for us to find the right players and finding A players yeah, you, you have to have a process to be able to screen them. You have to have a process to be able to attract them. And we'll go through that in a minute as to how we screen them. But most importantly, there's four characteristics that we look for, what we refer to as our character diamond or our ideal team player profile, if you will. And there's four key elements to this, and this does change. We review it every 90 days in our leadership meeting to make sure that we are attracting the right type of people to work at Tier 11 in this virtual environment. The first thing that we look for is emotional intelligence. So emotional intelligence is 
common sense is how they sort of behave and react to other human beings. Very important when you're running a virtual organization. We have to have people that actually get along with others and also sort of have a common sense approach. Also, we look for people who are humble. Humility for us is huge because the Facebook and Instagram ad platforms will humble you very quickly. You need to deal with failure. And like I've said here on the show many times, 70 or 80% of our ads typically fail or don't produce the result that we want. So you have to have the mindset where you're humble and you're willing to change, willing to adapt. And if you think you know all the answers, that is not a good scenario for us. Uh, we screen for this very effectively in our process, which we'll go through in just a second. We also need people to be hungry. Hungry has a lot to do with just drive, enthusiasm, passion, hunger for learning, never-ending improvement, all these sorts of characteristics that we characterize as hungry. And those are the types of people that we want to work with at Tier 11. We're a fast-paced organization. We want people to be hungry and get to the next level, whatever that is, whether it's career advancement or just seeking perfection as a media buyer. Whatever that is, hunger is a really, really important aspect of our character diamond. And then last but not least is our marketing IQ. Marketing IQ really refers to how much do they know about the marketing environment in which we currently live today. Very helpful to have that, very helpful and useful. We sort of vacillate between this character diamond trait as well as the trait of grit. Great book by Angela Duckworth. If you've never read it, tremendous book, uh, which talks about how grit is directly correlated to success in life. But we almost look at that as a combination between humble and hungry, as well as emotional IQ. So we do look for that marketing IQ, how much they understand the marketing world in which we live in today, because obviously we're doing a lot with Facebook and Instagram. So they need to have a base level understanding of marketing. So the hiring process is really is eight steps. And this is sort of an example of a media buyer, for example. So, and if you've applied uh, for a job here at Tier 11, you probably are well aware of this process. So first off, it starts with the online application. Then we go through the account walkthrough, which I'll get to in just a second. We do the SIM, which is step number three. Then we do three interviews. And after those three interviews, then uh, a potential media buyer becomes an ads manager where they can then ascend to a media buying role. And sometimes this takes anywhere between one to three months. It might actually take longer depending on the aptitude and the marketing IQ of the individual. In this case, this is a media buyer. But the process that we use is consistent with every type of person that we hire inside the organization. And yeah, the screening process is long. It is very detail-oriented and it's stringent. But in order to run a virtual company, you really do need to go through these steps we've found in order to gain any level of success. So at Tier 11, we live by this credo, which is show me, don't tell me. I've been fortunate enough to hire hundreds of people through my career in management. And a resume is great, but it's only one aspect of a human being. So what we really want to see in the interviewing process is not just a great resume, but show me what you know. Show me how you think. Show me in a lot of different ways how you uh, characterize or how you crystallize the character diamond traits that we're looking for to hire. So a lot of what we do is just by showing. So the first step is through an online application. So the online application 
involves a quiz. So the quiz is about 10 or 15 questions, I believe, where it actually will measure their aptitude and how well they know the Facebook ad platform. So depending on how they do on that quiz, they either get a pass or a failing grade. And uh, I'm not going to tell you what the failing grade is or the passing grade is, but they need to score really high on that quiz in order to move to the next step. And the next step is an account walkthrough. So this is a video where we will have them do like a Loom video or, or a YouTube video in some cases where they'll walk through an account. So once again, this is for a media buyer position or an ads manager position. So they'll go through an account walkthrough. It's a video. It's got to be less than five minutes. Really important for us because we're looking at these like hundreds at a time in many cases. So there's that. So that gives us an idea of their understanding, their hunger, their uh, humility, as well as some of the other characteristics that we're looking for as far as marketing IQ and understanding of the Facebook environment. Then if they make it through that step, then we go through what's known as the SIM. So the SIM is a simulator of sorts where we actually have them go through a number of different scenarios which are very specific to a lot of the niches that we serve inside tier 11. Depending on how they do on that, then they will be granted an interview. And this is typically with our vice president of operations. And there's an interview with him. Then there's a second interview with the actual hiring manager. And then the third interview, last interview is with yours truly. So that's typically how the process goes for hiring a media buyer. So once they get all the way through to interview three, they are actually given an offer, but with some caveats. So they do come on board, they sign an agreement with us, and then they assume the role of an ads manager. So an ads manager is someone who helps out with media buying, and they are then in a support role through the media buying team. In this case, obviously, we're going through the media buying hiring process, and they will do external and internal training. They'll also help us with strategic account plans, which we do for all of our would-be agency customers. So it's on-the-job training, typically for the first one to two months, usually, sometimes less, sometimes more, depending on that marketing IQ, depending on how they perform in the first month or two. We'll oftentimes assign them a training wheels ad account. These are accounts that we have arrangements with specific customers where they may have a reduced rate or a reduced fee uh, for tier 11 and are assigned an ads manager, not a full-blown media buyer, but are looking for our services, but maybe aren't quite the right match for full-blown, full-service agency. So ads managers will manage these accounts. So in essence, this is like the SATs. I mean, you're going through all this training, but we're measuring your progress all the way along through the direct supervisor, as well as the overseer, typically the VP of ops in this case. And then obviously myself, we're keeping really close tabs on how people are doing. So if they make it all the way through that and do it with flying colors and do it to the best of their ability and exude all those four characteristics that we look for in the character diamond, they then become a full-blown media buyer with their actual customer ad accounts. So it takes a while to come in. For us, obviously, we're a high-performance direct response ad agency. So there's a lot at stake here. We're spending customers' money, and we take that very, very seriously. And that's the reason why the training is so rigorous. That's why the screening process is so rigorous. And especially because of the fact that we are virtual, you need to have self-starters on your team. So I think it's really important. Uh, and there's a whole 
thing we can talk about about hiring and how to actually manage these people and maybe separate podcasts. But the most important thing is that when you're running a virtual team, you need people to take initiative. You need people that you don't have to check in on every single day. But then again, you don't really care what hours they work, quite honestly. It's like the trade-off here is, you know, this business can overwhelm your personal life. You have to be able to put up some barriers between your professional and your personal life in exchange for being able to work from home, having location independence, okay? Working in an environment where you don't have to commute every single day. So there are trade-offs with all of this. So it's not the best thing for everyone. So this process helps us screen for those types of people, whether it's media buying in this case, or whether it is our creative staff, dev, customer success, or even business development. So step number two is use simple softwares and tools. So a lot of these tools here you might be familiar with. I think how we fit them all together, piece them all together here at Tier 11 is unique. So a lot of these platforms you might already be using, which is great. How we use them together, I think, is the key that really helps cement the work relationships we have with our employees, as well as gets the best results for our customers, which, like I said, we're a performance-based agency, and we take that role very seriously. So these tools are really effective in managing people, but also helping manage customers. And uh, at the center of it all, typically, is the ads manager, which we talk about here an awful lot on perpetual traffic. But that's the main tool that we use to drive growth through Facebook ads. We're not talking about that here. We're talking about other tools and softwares here that manage the business and manage people. So the first thing is, as a virtual company, you need to get your business off email. <laughs> so this was one of the challenges that we first faced when we were building Tier 11 is that everything was done on email. All our communication with our media buyers was done on email. All our communication with our customers was done on email. So this might seem antiquated, but let's not forget that's how a lot of businesses start. They just don't have the working capital to be able to have other software solutions or tool solutions. So that's how we started. And quite honestly, it was uh, it was crazy. <laughs> it was nuts. Uh, had a really hard time managing things until we started to use some of these project management softwares as well as these tools here to really get most of the communication off email and into tools like Slack, for example. So Slack being the key tool that we use to not only manage our team virtually, but also we use it to manage our customers, which we'll discuss that in just a second. Second tool we use is Trello. The third tool we use is Tetra. And most importantly of all, one of the tools that we use uh, for, to manage customers is have calls with our internal team is we use Zoom. So those are the four main tools that we use. Yes, we use Google Apps, we use Dropbox, we use a bunch of other services, but these are the four main ones that we found are most effective because they talk to each other. They are flexible. They're customizable. They're very task-driven. And most importantly, they're easy to use. So if you can't do that with the softwares and tools that you use to manage your business, you're going to have a hard time managing anything because if your people don't use these tools, you're really screwed. So you got to make sure that the team buys in. And when we do have a change in systems and softwares, we will get the input of our team. 
we're, it's very valuable for us because we want them to use it. We want them to, to have these tools be more effective means in which to run their ad accounts or communicate with customers. So we value that feedback before we make a wholesale change. Some of these tools we're actually considering making changes on now. So these four tools might change over the course of time. But as of right now, these are the four that we use. So let's get into the first one. So as I mentioned, Slack is a great tool to manage virtual teams and to manage remote teams as well as physical teams. And a lot of teams actually use Slack as their intra office, like physical office communication. So, uh, so Slack is very flexible. We love it. It's got a great phone app. So a lot of our, our media buyers can actually run a lot of their ads and maintain what they do every single day using Slack as well as the Facebook ads manager mobile app, which I think it's good. It's not great. It's not one of the tools that we recommend. Here is the top four, but Slack is invaluable to us. And I think one of the reasons why is that, like I said, you can manage your internal team, but you can also set up channels for your customers. So we have channels set up for our specific customers. So we're keeping everything in one environment. Much better than doing this on email. And referring back to those old email days, I'm starting to get a migraine headache right now and thinking about it. But Slack helps you pull everything together in one. It's a great way to have shared channels, use Slack as a means in which to share information across media buying teams, creative teams, help collaborate, also have some fun stuff going on. We've got a couple of channels that are just purely for fun because we don't take ourselves too seriously here at Tier 11, got to keep things light. So Slack is a great way in which to do that. And uh, one of the things that we found is really, really important with Slack is the use of emojis. This is just seems like not a very important thing, but for us, it's actually really, really valuable. And let me tell you why. When you're doing written communication, I think everyone has been guilty of this. You've maybe written an email or sent a message, and it rubs somebody the wrong way. The part of communication that can't be fully articulated in written communication is nonverbal or body language, facial expressions, any of those sorts of things. So the same phrase can be taken in a couple of different ways, but an emoji helps soften that or helps the interpretation of that comment or that communication be far more on point with the original intent. So we have found that emojis in our communication, super important, as well as we use emojis in our communication, short communication to acknowledge a message in Slack, for example, or to give a thumbs up or appreciation or give quick answers. We found that using those emojis, and we actually have made quite a few tier 11 emojis inside the tier 11 Slack that helps with communication. Uh, it's been invaluable for us. So don't underestimate the power of the emoji. We certainly do use it in Slack as well as we use it in our next software, which is Trello. So Trello we use for project management. So primarily project management, but it's also, it's a really flexible tool that we use for things like creative. So for example, we might have a customer who has a number of creative requests. Maybe it's a video, maybe it's images, maybe it's ad copy. We use Trello as a way in which to assign a card to one of our creative team or assign a task perhaps to a media buyer or to one of our dev staff. So we have separate boards inside Trello that are around certain functions. So for example, the creative team has their own board individual 
cards on that board are then assigned tasks for specific customers. We also use it to map out content. So for example, the five levels of awareness that we talk about here so much with Eugene Schwartz, as well as the Ecom Ad Amplifier, which uh, have a tremendous amount of overlay between the two as far as the customer journey, taking someone from cold traffic who doesn't know who you are all the way to a lifelong customer, very similar to the way that Eugene Schwartz maps out levels of engagement or levels of awareness with your market. We use content mapping inside Trello to map this out for specific customers and then relate it back to the, uh, the ad amplifier or the e-com ad amplifier when it's appropriate. So we use Trello for that as well. We also use it for training. So whenever a new ads manager comes in or a new creative person comes in, we assign them a board for specific trainings that go through, some that are internal trainings for the agency as well as external trainings through DMHQ, which is absolutely awesome. We use all digital marketers training to help train our staff, which I highly recommend that you do. It gives them a very broad understanding of marketing in general, and then also specific trainings inside digital marketer as well as a number of other digital marketing trainings, as well as Facebook trainings that we've done internally, and also training on our SOPs, standard operating procedures and how we actually do things inside tier 11. And we also use Trello, Trello boards for meetings. So our agency team meeting, we have agendas in there, uh, and then we actually use that as our basis for those meetings or for leadership call meetings, the same kind of thing. Trello is a great way to kind of keep track of things over the course of time. There's a lot of solutions out there for project management software. We've looked into a lot of them. Like I said, we're considering a change right now from Trello, but Trello has gotten us to a, a very good point. Uh, it certainly has its its downfalls, its downsides to it. But overall, Trello, I think, is because it also has integration with the other softwares that we use, is a tremendous tool. So one of those being it has an integration back with Slack, which is fantastic, as well as uh, it has integrations with a number of the other softwares that we use in secondary roles at Tier 11. So the third software that we use, and we'll get into this in the next section a little bit deeper, is Tetra. If you're not familiar with this platform, Tetra is a great way, is a great software platform to house lots of data in an organized fashion. So what do I mean by that? So for example, for us inside Tier 11, we have standard operating procedures. We have ways in which we do things. Inside Tetra, we can dynamically update and keep the original formatting of those SOPs inside Tetra. Very effective tool. We used to use Google Drive, and then we also used Dropbox for a period of time way back when. And we also started, believe it or not, with our SOPs, like with Word documents and then into PDFs. So it's really evolved, but Tetra is a great place to store for example, creative tools that we use. So all the different video tools that we use, we have a listing in there of creative tools. So when we have a, a new creative team member start up, they're given access to this part of Tetra, and then all the resources are in there with all the logins in a very organized way. And my VP of Ops and uh, Director of Media Buying, as well as our Associate Director of Media Buying, have done a tremendous job, as well as our senior media buyers, of maintaining this database of all these different things that we use that are essential to us functioning as a virtual marketing agency. So Tetra is a great tool to utilize. 
And last but certainly not least is Zoom. So Zoom is, in essence, a teleconference service. So when I say teleconference, it sort of sounds old school, but basically it's video conferencing. So, and one of the things that uh, is very important in a virtual agency is that you don't see people's faces a lot, right? Like unless you're on a Zoom call or unless you have your camera on. And video conferencing for us makes that human connection that's so essential for our teams to work coherently with each other. So cross-functional between media buying, all the way through creative, all the way through business development, customer success, our dev teams, as well as our finance teams. Zoom is the preferred method for us to communicate. So we'll say, yeah, we'll get on a call, get on a quick call. It's a great management way in which to have a quick call with somebody, which maybe in the regular world of physical office space would be just walking down the hall and you know, peering over their cubicle to have a little conversation. But for us, we can't do that. So get on a Zoom call, throw the link inside Slack, and uh, off you go for a 10, 15-minute chit-chat of whatever the specific issue is. So Zoom has been tremendous. One of the things that we have that is non-negotiable with every uh, Tier 11 employee is that you need to have your camera on when we do a Zoom call and when you do a call with a customer. So we manage customers through Zoom as well as internal calls, so external and internal. Tremendous tool, and especially if you have that camera on policy, it's a great way for people to really connect on a far more human level. Because remember, it's a virtual agency. People get lonely too. (laughs) So we advocate our media buyers doing what we refer to as 11x calls. Like we'll have three of our media buyers get together with a couple of the ads managers and just, you know, talk about what's going on, like their latest frustrations with campaign budget optimization or, you know, manual bidding or whatever it happens to be. So we advocate communication in addition to the written communication inside Slack and Trello and a little bit on email. We try and keep everything off email as much as we possibly can. Uh, Sometimes it does bleed over there a little bit. But the point is that Zoom is a tremendous tool. I highly encourage you to use it. And it's really affordable. Uh, It's the best one that we found in the space. Far better than GoToWebinar and a lot of the other services. So Zoom is the fourth tool that we use with face on camera always as a prerequisite for any call in tier 11. And last but not least, step three is create systems. So I referred to this just a little bit in the section on Tetra, but this is really the key to us scaling and to us growing a business beyond myself and my virtual assistant, or maybe one media buyer, the way that we started back in 2012, 2013. So This was key to me because a very well-known digital marketing guru told me back in 2013, your business is impossible to scale. It was something that I don't think he actually meant it that way, but for me, it inspired me to say, all right, I'm going to figure out a way to do this because it's never been done before at that point in time to build a large company or, you know, large for us, 30 plus employees, a hundred or so in the next couple of years. Yeah. How do you do it? How do you scale a business and keep company culture as well as manage employees? But then in addition to that, 
teach them a highly specialized skill running Facebook advertising. So that was the challenge uh, that he sort of laid down to me. And I took up that challenge, uh, thought about it for quite some time. And a friend of mine recommended me reading a book, which once again, another great one here. I've mentioned a few books here. We'll put the links to those books in the show notes for sure. But this book was transformational for me to understand exactly how we could scale the knowledge that I had in my head to other people, to not just do what I did as a media buyer, but also to give them a framework for what I did, but improve upon it. And that's the big thing. Innovation, it's like, great, Ralph, you know how to run Facebook and Instagram ads, and you've done it for you know, 15 years, whatever it happens to be. One of the you know, first people on the platform way back in 2009, 2010. But how do you teach that to other people? And then better yet, how do you get them to innovate and become better than you ever were? Going back to step number one, and that's the key. You wanna hire people that have the hunger to be the best in the world. Otherwise, for us, it's like, why even bother? If you don't wanna be the best, it's like you don't belong at tier 11. So the idea behind this book was to create checklists. And the book's title is The Checklist Manifesto by Atul Gawande. So Atul Gawande is a medical doctor at Harvard Medical School, an area where I actually used to uh, visit quite frequently when I was in the medical industry. And he wrote this book and it was transformational for me. But what he found is that it was, he sort of stole the idea for checklists from the airline industry. So the airline industry, like pre-flight checklists, post-flight checklists, ensure the safety of transportation in the world. And checklists are at the heart of it. Pilots go through this. You know, you see it in your flight attendants going through it sort of in a pre-flight way, uh, as well as like a landing checklist. So there's checklists for everything, you know, certain types of emergencies, that sort of thing. So he sort of borrowed or stole this idea from the airline industry, and he found that you could do this very same thing to increase the effectiveness and reduce complications from surgery. So he was one of the ones who implemented what we now know as the surgical safety checklist. It's actually now a document through the World Health Organization, so uh, which vastly improved the outcomes of surgery. So it's a simple checklist, and Gawande in this book sort of talks about how this is related to all other things, like how do you build a skyscraper, these massive buildings I'm looking out at right now in New York City. How do you actually build it? How do you get like thousands of workers to do the right thing and put the pipes in the right place and the steel hung in the right spots and the HVAC systems? Well, he found that they actually did it through checklists. So I looked at Facebook and Instagram advertising. I said, well, you can build a skyscraper, 100 stories, and you know, perform surgery and have it repeatable but also make improvements along the way, why not do the same thing for an agency and for a Facebook and Instagram agency? So that's what we did. And checklists have been transformational for us. And sort of the outgrowth of that becomes SOPs. So you have checklists. Yes, you go through sort of the steps. But then each one of those checklists has a, an entire manual of how we do what we do. So there was no playbook for this. So when I first started, nobody had a playbook for how you created ads, how you had hook ideation, how you did images and video and how you launched campaigns and how you structured campaigns. So we had to build this all from scratch. 
because we realize that checklists and SOPs will give you a tremendous amount of control. They'll give you a lot of consistency in performance. They'll give you a tremendous amount of precision, as well as, and most importantly, is duplicability, which is a big word for meaning you can scale this sucker out. You can get people to do the same thing, but also make some improvements to it. Very, very important. Our SOPs and our checklists are not static. They are constantly being improved because the platform is constantly changing. As you probably are well aware, if you're running your Facebook ads right now, you know this thing doesn't stay the same. Never does, and it never will. So our checklists and our SOPs have to be dynamic. So, But also, we need to be able to duplicate specific ways in which we structure campaigns, how we optimize campaigns, how we allocate specific resources towards certain campaigns. So very, very important to have these in place. So the question that I get is like, that's a lot. There's a lot of things that I'm doing right now. Maybe you're a consultant and you're doing it on your own and you have a virtual assistant, maybe a media buyer, somebody that's helping you out, a guy. You know, I've got a guy now. I talk to a lot of consultants. They say, all right, I'm scaling. I got a guy. Or, you know, in my case, it was a gal, which was my first real media buyer. It was uh, awesome and still with us to this day. The point is, is where do you start with all this? Well, there's only one way to do it. It's <laughs> just to actually do it. So the journey of a thousand miles starts with the very first step. Sort of an overused cliche there, but it absolutely is true. So this is the three steps to writing your SOPs and your checklists and getting things documented so that you can ultimately scale your business. So first off is write down everything you know. That's basically what I did. As I was running a campaign, I would write everything down. I remember I actually dictated it into my phone. That's kind of how I did it, like step one, step two, step three, and then went from there. Step two is revise and edit. So obviously things are going to change. You get the bulk of it down, then you go back through it and you revise, and then you just keep repeating until it's perfect. So, and that's step number three is wash and repeat. Keep editing, make it as perfect as you possibly can, and that's the only way to start. So is just to start writing it down. And when I realized that checklist and the checklist manifesto was a way for us to scale tier 11, I didn't want to do it. I resisted it at first, but then finally I sort of reached my wit's end and I just started to do it. And it was a lot of work. We ended up creating uh, about 20 different SOPs as well as uh, checklists that go along with those SOPs to then start scaling the business. We now use it for our training. It's been revised many, many, many times by our staff. And uh, yeah, we found that that is absolutely the way to really start scaling up. And it's been a big part of our success here. So then the question becomes, once you start writing all this stuff down, where do you put it all? Well, like I said, we started initially with Word documents to PDFs. Not the way to start uh, because typically a PDF, you can't edit. It's really important to be able to edit these things. So it wasn't a good way to do it. I uh, did it many, many times over and uh, it just wasn't working out the way that we wanted to. So we started using just documents in a Google Drive folder. So documents in Google Drive is a great way to start. Then we migrated over to Trello, started using it that way, felt like that was a better way in which to organize things. But then we finally settled on uh, the tool that I had mentioned in step two, which is Tetra. So Tetra, once again, you can, uh, you can edit. It's a great way to keep things organized, and it's been a highly effective tool for us for our SOPs and our checklists. So in creating SOPs and checklists, there's three tips I wanted to give you here. First off is 
and probably the biggest tip is get your top people to write them for you. And this isn't, uh, I, I don't think this is optional, quite honestly. It's like if you're going to scale, give some responsibility to your people to help write the SOPs. And often cases, what we found is that the original SOP that I might have written now being edited by other media buyers is far better today than it ever was when I first did it. And that's what you want to do. You want to empower people to be able to take control as well as empower people to feel good about helping build a great organization and building something great. And we really do feel like we are doing that here at Tier 11. So get your top people to write them for you. Uh, one of my first media buyers, Vladdy, did a bunch of our first SOPs, eternally indebted to him. Still with Tier 11 today, Vlad is the man. He was uh, one of the ones who we wrote most of the original Tier 11 SOPs together I would say actually he wrote most of them and a uh, really tremendous way to, to write things and, and to get things documented as you actually do them. So it started with me, then it was Vlad, and now we have an entire team of people that keep these things updated. Big tip number two is always use a sharing doc. So this is something that we found out from that Word doc to PDF days. Not editable. You, you need to use a sharing doc so people can share it. Google Docs is much better for that if you want to go sort of for a more low-cost way of doing things. Tetra, the same kind of thing. We actually have notifications inside Tetra in an SOP channel when one of our media buyers or when you know one of our associates updates an SOP, which is great. So you sort of see that it's a constantly being updated in the process and kept as current as possible, especially in the ever-changing landscape of Facebook and Instagram. And last big tip is to assign or get volunteers to update. We have this. We don't assign this. You can certainly assign it, but I think most of the folks that are at our senior level are really interested in furthering their careers professionally, as well as from a monetary perspective. So we found that when you hire the right types of people, these are the types of things that they'll do, not because they feel compelled to do them, because they want to do them. And we're very fortunate to have a staff that does uh, volunteer to update these SOPs and uh, makes our agency all that much better. And uh, I welcome that type of initiative, and it's the type of person that we really love to hire here. And for, fortunately for us, we've got a lot of great team members that do just that. So those are the three steps. So one of the things that I always get questions on is how do we actually get customers? And that's not part of the three steps here. So this is after that. There's a lot of people that talk about how to get customers as an agency. So one of the ways in which we actually drive business is through paid advertising. So obviously it makes sense. We are a Facebook and Instagram ad agency, and we've used a variety of different methods in which to do that. What we found is that you really do need a, a solid funnel that cultivates and indoctrinates those leads once they come in. And uh, back on episode 150 of this show, way back 50 or so episodes ago, we had Ollie Bilson on talking about three Facebook funnels that drive sales and traffic to your website. And we actually advocate his method. He also has the phone funnel framework, uh, tremendous resource. Definitely check him out and uh, we'll have him on the show sometime in the not too distant future to talk about how we're actually using the phone funnel framework and his systems, you know, customized for our specific needs and every agency is going to be different. But we found that to drive traffic to the site in a paid manner, uh, using his ideas and his funnels are tremendous. So shout out to Ollie on that one. Definitely go back through episode 150. He also was on with us on episode 170. 
Referrals are also a way in which we get, I would say, the vast majority of our business. When you do good work, word is going to spread. So that is two ways in which we definitely will garner new business for ourselves, as well as generate interest for the Ads Accelerator program, which is our done with you service, where our media buying team gives you the inside scoop on what we're doing inside Tier 11 so you can produce the same kind of results for you and your team and your business. That's the Ads Accelerator. You can go to tier11.com forward slash AA and check that out. Um, but that is definitely a uh, source of agency business. A lot of customers might start there and then migrate eventually to the agency. So we've got a number of pathways in which to cultivate new leads. But the topic of today was really the three steps to build and grow uh, a virtual marketing agency. And we've been fortunate enough to do that and continue to do that here at Tier 11. So once again, the three steps are attract A players. Super important. Step number two is use simple software and tools. And we went through the four ones that we use and then create systems that are uh, you can duplicate and that are constantly being edited to get the best results we possibly can for our customers uh, using the Facebook and Instagram ad platform. So those are the three steps. This has been episode 220 of the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. And uh, I will leave all these resources in the show notes. Make sure that you go to digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast for all the links and resources that we discussed here on the show. This has been episode 220. Until next week, see ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening. John Moran here. Q1 is closing and it probably didn't go as well as you'd hoped. I'm sure your agency is telling you that they crushed it, but in reality, it probably crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you, or if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what, go to tier11.com forward slash apply. That's tier11.com forward slash apply. And we'll get set up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make agencies look good.